0: to your question when you said, what chores do you do? I wanted to just tell you that I do a lot of chores inside the house.
1: Okay, what are they?
0: Everything. I make breakfast for your mother every morning. I just feed her a, a soft boiled egg, which is perfect five minute boil.
1: Okay, so after you make breakfast for five minutes, what other chores do five, you have?
0: Five minutes. I have um, um, I empty the dishwasher and set the um, dishes where they go.
1: Welcome back to Not Great, your weekly exploration of what's giving you heartburn or perhaps florid diarrhea. Not that I know anything about that. I'm Sachi Cole, culture writer at BuzzFeed News and frequent politics manifested diarrhea haver. That's enough of the niceties. Let's get into the shit. Every day we spend in quarantine counts for about 50 normal days. So though it might feel that the first ever virtual Democratic National Convention happened a few months ago, it actually just wrapped up on Thursday night last week. I can't vote in this election. I've only lived in the US for a year and a half. And as an immigrant, I am beholden to how everyone else plans on voting this year. And as a Canadian, I continue to be baffled as to why absolutely every part of your political process needs to look like an off-brand Emmys. But look, whatever gets you guys tuning in. So what did we learn during the DNC? Nothing we didn't already know. Trump bad. Decency good. Former Vice President and large white teeth haver Joe Biden, as expected, clinched the nomination and gave a speech where he squinted presidentially.
0: The current president has cloaked American darkness for much too long, too much anger, too much fear, too much division. Here and now, I give you my word. If you entrust me with the presidency,
1: I will draw on the best of us, not the worst. I'll be an ally of the light, not the darkness. The consensus does seem to be that the virtual convention, despite a few snags, is still significantly better than whatever mess they've been doing in convention halls around the country for the last, I don't know, 800 years. The roll call actually took you state to state and gave us the charms of different corners of this ghastly yet beautiful country.
2: My American dream, I'm living it. A 25 acre organic farm on a lake, a roadside farm stand and a bed and breakfast. My husband and I aren't corporate tycoons. We just want to make an honest living and feed our community.
1: To the exhausted Black women of North Carolina. I've been doing this for a long time, so let me just be plain. Black people, especially Black women, are the backbone of this party. And if we don't show up, Democrats don't get elected. I'm putting on my mask, and we're going to every corner in North Carolina to help organize, because we need to make sure everyone shows up for Joe Biden to the menacing calamari holders of Rhode Island. Our state appetizer, calamari, is
2: available in all 50 states. The calamari comeback state of Rhode Island casts one vote for Bernie Sanders and 34 votes for the next
1: president, Joe Biden. It was indeed better than its typical format. But do you know what was odd? Was how often and how fiercely the DNC and the Democrats kept positing themselves As the political party aligned with the protesters, filling the streets and cities around the country, demanding for criminal justice reform and, more pressingly, for the defunding of police. It was weird because this is a pretty centrist version of the Democratic Party. What kind of innovation do they think we're going to buy after they foisted Biden, a longtime Washington insider and classic white man and aviators, to the top of the list? This isn't the same party that might have been if Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren had won the primary. This is the party of settling just to get through the next four years without having to deal with the fall of the republic. I called Ryan Brooks, BuzzFeed News' political reporter, to talk more about how weird it was.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, like, always going to be this separation between, like, the people that are doing the work on the streets and the people that are in political office. I mean, they have, like, a lot of balancing to do there. I mean, we can see that in the ways that some of the mayors that were there, the D.C. mayor was there to show off, like, Black Lives Matter Plaza, and protesters were upset by that. When that happened, they were like, this is just, like, one thing, and it's kind of petty, to like put this on the street while you're still funding a police department that's brutalizing black people."
1: The Democrats, no matter how they try to spin it to woo the left, are still not the party of progressive politics. Kamala Harris was a district attorney in California, and while she might have been willing to take baby steps towards progressive reform, she was still far too aligned with the status quo. Joe Biden has already gone on the record as saying he does not support defunding the police, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez can't even give a 60-second speech nominating Bernie Sanders, a normal, perfunctory part of any party convention, without having a million people in her Twitter mentions saying she's being divisive for asking more of the people leading her party. A Democratic Party led by Bernie or Warren is what a lot of progressive voters hoped for. But that's not what they got. So, yet again, a vote for the Democrats is more like a vote against Trump and whatever the fuck he's been doing to this country for four years. I think it's sort of how a lot of us are making the choice to stay home 98% of the time. We don't like it, but, I mean, it's better than being dead. The producers of the DNC were probably hoping that throwing a BLM t-shirt on a centrist candidate would be enough to see us through to November. What's happening with Trump in office is so egregious that, comparatively, Biden does represent a more progressive point of view, if only because at this rate, progressivism is tantamount to not calling your political opponents Sleepy Joe or phony Kamala. And so last week's DNC felt like a punch up a screenwriter would give this election cycle in a few years, once 2020 is a distant memory and not a big, thick dick that just keeps hitting me in the face over and over and over again. This fall, remember the politicians who were brave enough to stand up to Trump and say, please vote for the Democratic Party if you're tired and just need a few years of total inactivity so you can catch your breath. I mean, I would watch that. The DNC rewrite doesn't have to be a good movie. You'll still see it because The Alternative is watching a different, much worse movie where civil and human rights are slowly eroded. Except it's not a movie, it's your life, and you can't even go see a movie right now because you might end up on a respirator for four months. The DNC movie is boring as shit, but boring is a beautiful luxury right now. It's still pretty dissatisfying, and the DNC edit doesn't make much sense. If Democratic voters wanted a candidate that reflects progressive views and policies, they could have just picked a progressive candidate. Instead, the DNC broadcast borrowed progressive language and used it as marketing slogans on digital bumper stickers. Do you feel like the Democratic Party is afraid of socialism still? And I say that as a Canadian who is fine with it because I've yeah. seen it and I've seen the way that it works. Mm-hmm. And not communism, but socialism. Are yeah. they still afraid of that word?
2: They definitely are. I think you definitely saw throughout this convention that they were catering to a lot of Republicans who are like just sick of Trump. We saw John Kasich speak at the Democratic National Convention, just like regular Republicans who are like, all right, I'm tired of Trump. I don't want to vote for him, but I also don't want to see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez like eventually be president or like Bernie Sanders be president. So I think they're definitely like still wary of who and what they like put out as the party standard bearers.
1: Refreshing, though, was some brutal honesty from the people who came before Trump. Michelle and Barack Obama's speeches were, respectively, calls to action and reminders that there are still plenty of ways for the country to get worse with four more years under Trump. These are two political figures who were and have been rooted in optimism. Yes, we can. Hope and change. Forward. Now it seems like they're all just saying, please, dear, dear God, make it stop.
0: I think it's under control. I'll tell you what. How? A thousand Americans are dying a day. They are
2: dying. That's true. And you ha- it is what it is. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. He has had more than enough time to prove that he can do the job, but he is clearly in over his head. He cannot meet this moment. He simply cannot be who we need him to be for us. It is what it is.
1: I mean, in all fairness, who thought it would be this bad? Not just crumbling economy bad or incite conflict with North Korea bad. It's swallow cyanide because the world might be ending bad. I'm just kidding. I mean,
2: right? We're kidding, right? I wasn't expecting Michelle Obama to be as cynical as she was in her speech. It's definitely like where the rest of the country is right now, I think. I think we're all going through, like, again, this pretty shitty time and it feels like you're going through a period where you never thought you would be. Every day is something shitty. Like, you get, like, you watch TV and, like, you're like, the My Pillow guy is, like, <laughs> advising the president on something.
1: Oh, not just something, Ryan. Yeah. To eat white oliander, which yeah. is a poison that they made a movie
2: about. Yes, yes. It's literally ridiculous. Like, you yeah. hear about the My Pillow guy, you hear about these, like, weird things that you would never expect to, like, come up, like, outside of a movie script or something. But, like, she talked about how if you don't think things could get worse, like, they definitely can if you don't vote in this election, which is, like, the thing that stood out to me about this whole convention was that they were like, please vote. Please, like, just do something to get us out of this literal movie script where everything's going wrong. I think what's interesting about that is because they're not reentering politics, like, ever again, is that they don't have to have this, like, rosy outlook of the country. Mm-hmm. And that sort of meets where, like, All of us are right now that are just like living day to day through this really weird time. And they were able to say like, hey, like this sucks. We know it sucks. Like we know you don't want to vote like you're not interested in the government at all right now, like outside of maybe receiving some more unemployment benefits like eventually. So
1: while longtime Democrats are trying to strike some balance between painting Joe Biden as the right candidate and screaming into the sky that Donald Trump is demonstrably the wrong one, former and current Republicans are begging you to not make the mistake they made. Included in the DNC broadcast were Colin Powell and John Kasich, two lifelong Republicans who will be voting for Biden this November. Kasich spoke while standing at a fork in the road, while talking about being at a crossroads. I'm not sure who's going to tell him that those are different things. While Powell spoke from an alternate reality where he's a hero here and not someone who lied to the UN in order to start a war with brown people.
2: Many of us have been deeply concerned about the current path we've been following for the past four years. It's a path that's led to division, dysfunction, irresponsibility, and growing vitriol between our citizens. Continuing to follow that path will have terrible consequences for America's soul because we're being taken down the wrong road by a president who is pitted one against the other.
1: Plus, there was the inclusion of a number of Trump voters in 2016, lifelong Republicans turning away from their party.
2: The idea of us calling ourselves the United States of America um, feels, feels like it's pretty wrong right now. fairly ashamed to say it, but I'm one of many who voted for the current president, Donald Trump. I challenge you to think back to what made you vote for Donald Trump in 2016. Um, I know I sure have.
1: Oh, really? We're not the United States of America anymore. How do you think that happened, Eric? And when you voted for Trump the first time, was it just because you hated Hillary Clinton more than you cared about the people who would eventually die in ICE custody? 17 deaths this year, its highest since 2006, or because you hated women, or just because your imagination for cruelty as a white man living in America is limited? Did you really think things were that good before? I know it's very unlikely that anyone who voted for Trump the first time around is listening to our show. It might surprise you to know that BuzzFeed News isn't really where a lot of moderate Republicans get their news, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Is this what needed to happen for you to realize that you made a huge fucking mistake? Was it really all about the pandemic? Your inability to go to a Target or a Piggly Wiggly without wearing a thin piece of cloth over your mouth? Is having to spend time with your family, your daughter making another fucking TikTok to that obscene WAP song where she twerks on all fours and then you walk in and she panics and pretends like she's doing yoga, which makes no sense. When do you do yoga, Bethany, without a mat in front of your fucking phone? Is that what drove you into Diamond Joe's loving arms? Again, I'm an outsider who couldn't vote in the last election and still can't. But... I feel like maybe there were a lot of red flags during that last election, before he even got into the White House. Maybe, like, the Access Hollywood tape.
0: I moved on her, and I failed. I'll admit it. I, I did try and fuck her. She was married. huge news, there. I know Nancy. Yeah. I gotta use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything.
2: Whatever you
0: want. Grab him by the pussy. <laughs> I can do anything.
1: Or the many women accusing Trump of sexual assault. He, he went like this. He slammed you against the wall.
2: Yeah, I hit my head really hard. He just went at it. And when you say went at it, you know, I mean... He pulled it, there... down my tights. And uh, it was over very quickly. It was against my will, 100%. Or when he talked
1: about Megyn Kelly's period.
0: You could see there was blood coming out of her eyes, blood coming out of her wherever. She was off base.
1: Or when he said of Mexicans, They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists,
0: and some, I assume, are good people.
1: Or, Oh my fucking God, how he tried to claim that the first black president in this country's history was actually born outside of the US and forced him to release his long form birth certificate, which I am sure none of you even knew was a thing before because if you're white and you're a citizen, do you even know where your birth certificate is? Did none of that matter? Did none of that register to you that perhaps a candidate born of chaos who trolls before he debates who doesn't know the basics of how the government works because he's never held any kind of elected office, who traffics an alt-right and racist sentiment might actually be a really shitty president? Or did you need 175,000 Americans to die of a pandemic that other countries like Canada or the UK or New Zealand, which up until recently I thought was just trees, got under control? Well, you can no longer casually waltz into a Starbucks anymore, have a little poop and then calmly leave as if you were there the whole time for an hour with your pink drink and the screenplay you've been working on about the glory that is the Democratic Party. How wretched did things need to get for you to realize that your choice to vote for an NBC reality star was a bad one?
2: I think, honestly, without the pandemic that we have, I don't think we would have gotten that clear cynicism that, like, they probably need to, like, light some fires under people's asses to, like, get to the polls in, like, November. I don't think people would have had, like, things to point to, really, without sounding like they're there's just so much shit that's happened over the administration that it feels like people are just have gone numb to, like literally everything that's happened over the past year. Like we literally had an impeachment trial. No one even, no one even talked about impeachment at the convention at all.
1: I literally forgot. I forgot that that happened. Sometimes things have to get so bad before they get better. Mm -hmm. And I thought just his election was the bad thing because I knew what he was, I mean, we all knew what he was going to do. He said it. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic comes and it's like, oh, you needed it to get global Plague bad.
2: You needed it to get bad for you.
1: <laughs> right. You personally, you needed had to, to be feel a-
2: scared. Like you didn't right. have to. Your, your brown and black friends weren't. Their feelings weren't. That enough. wasn't enough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah. now you have it. Yeah. And what are you going to do?
2: Here you go. Welcome to the shit show.
1: Please give me a compliment.
0: <laughs> Is it that this pandemic? has made you to ask for compliment now. I always
1: have. You taught me to be very direct. I think everybody should say one nice thing to me per hour.
0: Every hour. Well, then you're not living in a realistic society because people tend to give you a compliment and three seconds later, they will try to bring you down. That's how the life is. Unfortunately, they may not bring you down right on your face, but They turn around and tell somebody else, oh, she is not a good person.
1: Wow. Thank you for this.
0: I'm being very generous here, by the way.
1: Normally, this is where we leave you with a moment of joy, courtesy of TikTok or some other viral video that's making us laugh. But I'm extra salty today, so instead, I want to talk about a new personal grudge I'm holding. Last year, my beloved Toronto Raptors won the NBA championship for the first time against the Golden State Warriors. They're Canada's only team, and it was Canada's first championship. It's a big fucking deal to win that thing generally, but it was especially significant for Toronto, for Canada, and of course, for the men who worked so hard to win it. You know who invented basketball? A Canadian. You're fucking welcome. You can pay us back by putting the U in neighbor the way it was intended. But when the Raps were about to win, the team's president, Masai Ujiri, was making his way onto the court. A San Francisco sheriff's deputy stopped him. That deputy, Alan Strickland, I will remember that name, sued Ujiri, claiming that he, quote, hit him in the face and chest with both fists. Well, (laughs) guess the fuck what? Ujiri's defense team released body cam footage from Strickland showing the literal opposite. So not only was Ujiri taking out his credentials, but it was Strickland who hit the Raptors president. What do we take from this? Just more proof that it doesn't matter if you're wearing a suit, if you're taking your credentials out of your pocket, if you're the president of the team about to win an NBA championship. Ujiri is countersuing Strickland now, and he released a statement last week saying, quote, I was reminded in that moment that despite all of my hard work and success, there are some people, including those who are supposed to protect us, who will always and only see me as something that is unworthy of respectful engagement. There's only one indisputable reason why that is the case. Because I am Black. I know it's been a busy week. And I know the DNC and the RNC make it hard to keep focused on what's going on between the police and the Black people they're supposed to protect. But let this be a high-profile reminder. Alongside the Black woman in Gwinnett County who got tased by a cop for talking too loud on her own property— or the Washington cop charged with murder for killing a man outside of a grocery store, or Jacob Blake, a Black man in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who was shot multiple times in the back, at close range, on video, while trying to get into a car. We can't trust all cops to protect all people, and we also can't trust them to tell the truth. So what's the point of a police force that can be both detrimental and, maybe worse, duplicitous? If the cops will lie, not just to protect themselves, but lie in the way that they did about Ujiri, a lie that resulted in a lawsuit that didn't need to happen, then what's the point of the cops at all? It's just something I'm thinking about as this year's DNC raps, noting their unearned efforts to be the party for the marginalized. But at least I know a few things for sure. Raps forever. Golden State sucks. Every other team in the league can now and forever eat my farts. All right, that's the week. The RNC is already in full swing, so gird your loins for what is surely a reasonable, calm and thoughtful discussion around policies and possible improvements for American life and absolutely nothing about pedophilia or eating children or pizza or Joe Biden's alleged and unproven dementia. So far, it's confirmed that the speakers will include the St. Louis couple who waved guns at protesters, Dana White and Laura Trump, the woman married to the second least like Trump child. It's not great, but maybe next week will be better. Nice. <laughs> uh, I mean, it won't, but, you know, it's good to dream. Not Great is a production of BuzzFeed News and Embassy Row. Our executive producers are Karolina Vatslaviak, Charlotte Sims, Samantha Hennig, Julia Cassidy, Anna Marie Johnson, and Barry Jean Dorman. The show is edited by Maureen Vegas. Today's episode was written and produced by me, and our theme music is by Shawnee Cage. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Sachi, that's S C A A C H I, or email the show at notgreatbuzzfeed.com. Smell you later. Dance. I promise I will never put you in a home.
0: Oh, you, it is not up to you.